Hey, you're on PeerPod, a podcast by students for students about uni life. We are coming to you today from our Create Space studio at Susan Wahid Health Building at the University of Sydney. PeerPod is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respect to their elders, past and present. Let's get into it. Hi, welcome to PeerPod. I'm Haley, and today we have our special episode for Are You Okay Day. We are joined by Two special guests will go around the table and let our guests introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Professor Ian Hickey. I'm a psychiatrist by training and I'm the co-director of health and policy at the Brain and Mind Centre here at the marvellous University of Sydney. Great, welcome to our podcast. Hi, I'm Risha Tagamia. Um, I'm a fourth year student right now. I'm doing an honours year, um, also based at the Brain and Mind Centre. That's amazing. So good to have you here. So my first question is for you, Professor Hickey. A lot of your work is focused on mental health measures and intervention at the right time for the individual. What can students learn from this to implant into their lives? The more that people know about their own mental health, the more they can do two things. Improve it generally, like we do for the rest of our physical health. So see mental health and well-being as one of those things that just like your physical health, you try and work on to make it better so that you actually feel better and able to function better. The second is to be able to recognise when things go wrong and actually what going wrong is about. So to be pick up early on, what is the nature of a significant change in anxiety, in sleep, in depression, drug and alcohol use, so that you can take early effective actions to reduce the impact of any of those conditions on your life. Sure, awesome, thanks a lot. And Batyr, as a student ambassador for Batyr on campus, can you please further elaborate on your role here at the University of Sydney? How did you even get involved? Yes, um, so I got involved um, at the end of last year. Um, there was a call out for on their social media where they were looking out for student executive members to be a part of their team at the university. And so I joined them and it's been a lovely journey since then. So as a student ambassador, my role is to, with a team of five other people, our role is to host events and initiatives that bring mental health awareness to light at the university. So we've been able to host a few events during orientation week across the university semesters and shed light on Batir. And Batir is a preventative mental health organisation um, that focuses on um, youth mental health and specifically peer-to-peer support. And so Batir operates as a middleman mm-hmm. between students and support services that exist right now. And that's what's really great about Batir because it sort of amplifies um, support services that already exist in Australia right now. And so we reach out to students who may feel a bit confused on how to navigate support services in the university and we raise awareness on them and just like make mental health a more positive sort of topic so that students don't feel embarrassed or discouraged from taking charge of their mental health. Oh, awesome. And I actually have like a question. What does Batir mean? Bacchia? Like Bacchia, yeah. yeah, so Bacchia actually is very interesting. Bacchia relates to a myth, like a story about um, a talking elephant yeah. that was based in Kazakhstan. And the whole purpose of Bacchia is basically giving a voice to the elephant in the room mm-hmm. in relation to the story. And that elephant in the room is mental health stigma. And so Bacchia is all about smashing mental health stigma and sort of giving a voice to that. And it uses that sort of story as a inspiration. Oh, that's actually a great concept. Yeah. And it's kind of like relatable with other students around, especially in the campus. Because like I realized that before that anyone like generally just mentioned that, hey, I was in therapy today. The first question is like, like you can actually feel like the atmosphere changing the room. And like people are like, oh, so you go to the therapy. Or what What's happening that you're going to therapy? It's not like as normal as you're expecting it to be so that's actually a great concept to like work on that thank you and the next question is for you professor can you please tell us a bit about innoval we know you can set up daily activities make personal goals and have the opportunity to learn in the app what are you hoping a student who use it will achieve so a bit of background here I've been at the University of Sydney for 20 years. It's a really long time. Oh, my God. (laughs) Probably before some students were born, you know. And (laughs) over that 20 years, the students have been saying continuously, we really need to do more about mental health and well-being. I mean, actually, awareness of mental health issues in Australia, and particularly amongst young Australians, is very high. It's often not that clear what people need to do if they're in trouble Mm -hmm. or what specifically they need to do for themselves that most helps their own mental health. Yeah. So about 10 years ago, I was involved in the development of a cooperative research centre called the Young and Well CRC, which is a big Australia-wide science development using technology 
to promote mental health and wellbeing in young people. And that gave rise to a spin-off company from the University of Sydney and PwC, which is called InnerWell, which uses online, basically digital, you know, won't be surprised to young people, uses digital technologies mm-hmm. to promote mental health and wellbeing and track the course of mental health problems. Now, to my great pleasure, in the last month here at the University <laughs> of Sydney, as part of a much wider suite of mental health measures, not the only thing, but the university is providing access to the InnerWell platform free to its students. So please, if you hear this podcast, <laughs> go on and register and then go into the different domains that are in there, each of which has a strong evidence base for potentially assisting your mental health and wellbeing. Things like physical activity, sleep-wake sleep, cycles, managing your own physical stress. My personal favourite, increasing your social connection, actually being in contact with people. What's what university post-COVID should all be about, mm. being in contact. Forget learning anything. Just enjoy <laughs> being here with other people and joining in the socialisation and the, and the collegiate life of here and other things like reducing drug and alcohol. These are all things that matter. It encourages to go in, do a simple self-rating and then set goals, find things out, connect to the world of information in one of those areas that might be relevant to you, particularly if you're not doing so well in one of those areas. So it's encouraging us, like we do for physical activity, for getting fit, for losing weight, for many other things, to treat our mental health in the same way. And the university is really serious this time around and committed to doing that for staff and students. So for students, you might have to teach the staff. Actually show them how to open up, <laughs> you know, encourage them to do it too. Because we're all part of the same community and at different stages of life. Yeah. And then in doing that, of course, intrinsically behind that is if you're really struggling, then of course it encourages people to start to move to get professional help. But in the first instance, it's about all of us, staff and students, improving our mental health and wellbeing and, and finding out. I don't know about you, but you know, I can do certain kinds of exercise when I'm doing it with someone else. I never do it on my own. Or I can do mm. certain kinds of dietary restriction in certain groups, not on my own. Same. And, and you know, if I sleep badly, then I can't concentrate the next day or whatever. If I, I hate exercise, right? But if I, <laughs> I do exercise and I feel better, I sleep better, I go, ooh, actually, it works for me. So it's also going beyond the sort of general principle to yes. try a few of these things and find out what actually works for you. Because behind this, being a student actually isn't easy. It's a testing time of life. And, you know, you actually need to have skills in place. You need to learn stuff. Now, whether you've ever done it before or not, most people don't ever learn any of these things till they get into trouble. It's much mm. better if you know what works for you, that you need to sleep well to be well, that you need to exercise well. Personally, I need to be in contact with people. I need to go to work to be well. I need to have these sort of conversations. Otherwise, yeah. on my own, I'm very unwell. You know, and find out what works for you. Set goals, do activities, learn to improve your own mental health and well-being. Oh, that's so awesome to hear that university is taking actually like an active role. To yes, finally, after 20 years, it's yes. marvellous. We're really serious this time and we're going to stick at it. And it is part of, I must say, the inner well bit is just one bit and it's for the students. It's not primarily for data collection. It's not primarily about screening. It's actually meant to be a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also does provide the university with, in a sense, not individual information. It's private and secure to you. Yeah. But at least we get a global picture of where our students are at. I've also been part of conversations here for 20 years where staff usually say how students are (laughs) rather than students saying how students are. This gives us a chance to know and whether things like COVID are as disruptive as we think they are, whether in different parts of the university, whether you're in the law school or the conservatorium or the medical school or some other bit, engineering, where actually groups of students are, whether overseas students are having different sets of experiences. It gives us the potential also, Uh secondarily, to better understand actually where in our university we have issues with students and also what may be better done. I mean, I personally think, and it's very difficult in such a large university, but the most important thing is around connecting. It is about being part of particular groups. It's it's understanding about the benefits that may be derived from being part of our student clubs, our associations, our sporting groups, our cultural groups. That's the fun bit of university. For God's sake, when you're here, (laughs) (laughs) make the most of it. And... Your mental health and well-being will improve. But that's completely true. But like, I have another question, like especially for undergrad student, the one who started their first year online or they finished their high school online. The last couple of years, I, they kind of like lost the skills of 
finding friends or finding the connection. So for them, it's like a really big step to get back to the Huge. Campus. Look, I'm glad you raised it. It's huge. Look, COVID has been very disruptive. And, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> glad about this because I'm you know, a lot of <laughs> interest in COVID's impacts on the physical health of older people. Yeah. So older people's physical health has been most impacted by COVID. The other big casualty of COVID has been the mental health of young people. Yeah. And the group that's been most affected has been that group, quite right as you point out, that finished school over the last two years and then transitioned to post-school education. Because that's exactly the time when people needed to transition, make new friends, actually things. So it's not about learning things. It's not about passing the university test. It's actually about making social connections in a different kind of world. And that's been really disrupted. And a lot of students uh, at school, in high school, and then in universities have had to retreat to their own bedroom or to their own computer and they've been very disconnected. Yeah. When in fact, from an emotional and cognitive point of view, from a social point of view, being out, connecting, on campus, being with people is critical. And people are very anxious about that, reluctant about that, and as you point yeah. out, may not have developed the skills about that. And certainly, have, well, you know, we've got 70,000 students, but you can arrive here and feel like you know nobody. You know, you can feel entirely alone and, you know, very common if students have panic attacks, to have difficulties and take off home, we don't see them again. Yeah. You know, it is really challenging. So this is a really important time for us to be thinking about how do we organise that in faculties, in schools, in programs, in education, but also through participation in our sporting groups, our social groups, our cultural groups in different bits. So you're quite right. This was always hard for students transitioning from school to university pre-COVID. Yep. The COVID period worse. was worse. It was disruptive at school and it's disruptive for those who've just joined in the last year or two the university environment. Yeah, because like um, one of the classes were like having like hybrid uh, method for the classes, and the professor was like, "No one actually want to come back to the campus anymore." Yeah, because especially like they're very used to their own environment. Exactly, it was like rather than coming, so they prefer to have it. Now let's be clear. Let's be clear. You're not here to meet the professors. They're the boring ones. You need to meet the person (laughs) next to you in the class. You need to meet people who are really smart from very diverse backgrounds with different life experiences Mm. and to spend time here. Because that's mm-hmm. like for during like my undergrad, like the whole idea was we would go to the class with like forty people. We would have a coffee after that. We would go for a lunch after that. We would like exactly well, that's what yeah. university is. And like that thing like doesn't exist like in so many stuff anymore in the university because like people are like, I'm not gonna I'm gonna go for Zoom. No, no, we, we have to like we have to challenge this. Thing. We have to challenge yeah. this. Look, look, <laughs> most of us like me in the workforce would be dying to go back to university. <laughs> Can I just spend a few more years doing that? You know, <laughs> instead of what I'm doing now. You know, it's a time of life that's critical. I mean, I'm very fortunate. Um, being a medical graduate, mm-hmm. there are still people, I have to say this, <clears throat> more than 40 years later, that I am really close friends with, really important people in my life, and I formed those relationships when I was a student. You know, they continue. That's they're really treasure. They are treasures, and they're some of the most treasured relationships in my life are from that period. People form close, intimate, friendly relationships. They can experiment with themselves. They can experiment with their identity. So you're, you're identifying a really big challenge at the moment because academically, like, you know, the kids who come here are bright, if you don't mind me saying kids. The young people who come here are really bright. The academic <laughs> bit is not a problem. The social and emotional development is a problem. It's hugely challenging. It's a big transition to the self-learning environment of universities, the challenges, the academic challenges that are here and the, the process. So we already knew pre-COVID, you know, we lose at least least 15% of students in the first sort of semester and probably 20% in the first yeah. year who just yeah. don't continue. And a lot of that's not got anything to do with them not being capable. Yeah. It's got to do with the social transition that's involved and the, the, the maturation processes. Yeah. Like, like they belong to the like the environment or the society that they're like enjoying university. No, 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 it's just also like motivation plays a huge factor too. And so if you're sort of transitioning to a new environment alone, like you don't have that sort of motivation to around with people around you to sort of feel like okay I'm not the only one going through this by myself like there are other people around me so being in a remote setting has been quite hard to like feel validated by other people around you yeah why you would you bother I mean really I mean you know, you know, I know your parents want you to bother not anyone else wants you to bother but really you know the kids who come here have done a lot of high school done yeah. a lot of education yeah. what another year another two years <laughs> of just learning more stuff I mean forget it <laughs> so University should be a chance to live life really differently with really intelligent people from really diverse backgrounds and then together facing particular challenges. What you say about motivation is such an interesting thing. Most of us derive motivation for change in social groups. I mean, most days I don't want to exercise. Most days I don't want to lose weight. Most days... (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know, but in groups we do. So we provide that support to each other and we do those things and we enjoy the pleasure of doing it in groups. 
to come to. And that's what universities should be. Yeah. You know, they're not just 70,000 people. They're small groups of really smart individuals acting together on challenges, on problem solving. You know, in the university, we want to solve really big problems. We want to solve worldwide problems in mental health and global climate change and stuff. Really important yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting stuff for the future. But yeah. doing it together. Yeah is critical. And the mo- so that motivational comment is really important. You know, I mean, most of us in our own work, if we're sitting at home every day just writing the same kind of stuff, after a while I just go, oh, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the pleasure for me is coming to work. Yep. But for me, it's coming to work. I'm surrounded by really bright young people Great. who mm. challenge me all the time. I'm clearly wrong about most things. You know, <laughs> but what they say is smart and it's intelligent and it's reflective of where the kind of issue is. But I really enjoy the social interaction. It's pleasurable yeah. to be here. It isn't just about an academic thing. And for our mental health and well-being, humans are small group animals. You know, we thrive <laughs> in groups together. We do not do well on our own. So COVID has been really disruptive. We have to really establish the vitality of campus life. If I could just add on to what you said about Inner Well, like I've actually been using the app for like the last two weeks. Excellent. <laughs> it's and really good. And it's it's really nice. Like, I like <laughs> it's really interactive, and like I really like the features where obviously you take a questionnaire and it tells you where you might be um, weak in, but it doesn't do it in a very condescending way. You know, it's like here are some tips on what you can do, and they give a bunch of options, and you have the control to pick which which options you like to work on for yourself. And so for me, like physical activity was an area that I needed to work on. And just for this week, I said, okay, how about this week? I just try to go on a walk, like five days a week. And it's really nice because at the end of the day, when I do a walk, I can actually go to that checklist and like check that off and be like, okay, three out of five days this week, you did take a walk. And it's just really nice to have an area on the back of your mind where you're actually constantly trying to work on yourself and like no one else is like holding you accountable. That's right. It's private and you can decide. Yeah, it's a very like private way to do it, but... Also, now that you said it, like it does contribute to a body of research that you're going to do, like learning about the student community and how. Yes, and it's really incredible. Yes, we're going to find out. <laughs> Even yeah, better. we're going to find out about the staff eventually. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find out about the staff and the bits that we live in because yeah. the university isn't one big. People say to me all the time, "Where's the you know the University of Sydney?" I go, "That doesn't exist. There is no thing called the big university. I mean, no, that is a quadrangle on a flag. Yeah, that's a fancy one. There's communities of people. Yeah, you know, and if you're in the law school or you're in the conservatorium or you're in you know the faculty of and so you're in different environments all the time and there are different groups. I mean, one of the things with the thing, you can do it yourself. The other thing you can do, of course, you can do it in groups, right? Yeah. Because I like physical activity, like three days a week. You know, but if, let's just say, three or four of you were doing the physical activity thing, you might encourage each other yeah. to actually do or find out, you know, which one, who values what mm. in a particular thing. So, you know, one of the things is certainly it can be personal and private and that can, and I like what you said, it's not patronising, it's not condescending, yeah, it's not stigmatising. it's very research-based. <laughs> but also we want people to discuss the particular things. I want them to discuss social connection, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. yeah. It's the one thing I think in mental health people don't get. People get in, in our modern world the kind of personal autonomy bit. What do I need to do, okay? I need to be free to do things and really I do need to exercise and I do need to do That's it. true. They, the other side though of being really mentally healthy is being strongly socially connected. And most people just don't have the same size families, the same size communities, yeah. the same size personal networks as what we had in more traditional cultures and in other areas. And that's really tough on young people. And then we have something like COVID totally disrupted. Yeah. And the transition from univers- uh, sorry, from schools, where people may well have been parts of communities, yeah. to suddenly being here on your own, nobody or hardly know anybody, you know, yeah. or hardly trust anybody really, just don't know people well enough, yeah. is a big transition. So the sooner people can get connected and share these particular challenges, particularly, the f- as you say, the first degrees that people are doing first year or something. Yeah. But then thinking about, like, to stay connected, what does that mean? Well, this university has some of the most fabulous clubs, societies, activities and stuff. And There's historically... There's a of, like, clubs. And yeah. Like, There's so many. Yeah. I was so, like, confused. I was like, why are there so many stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, make the, you know, historically, a relatively low percentage of students use those clubs so we have all those things yeah and they're they're, you know the great reason to come here and of course often it takes people two or three or three or four years Mm -hmm. one of my own sons he won't mind me saying this didn't know what to do for the first two years hated it yeah (laughs) until he finally was doing science or some philosophy or something or other until he got into one of the musical societies which he didn't even know he was any good at (laughs) and he loved it it. yeah then he thought it was a good university not for the other bit but it took two or three years and i think early on 
people are very reluctant. They're, you know, sort of focused on the academic bit mm-hmm. and focused on the other bit. The sooner you get involved in one of those things, and it may be through your own faculty or school, but it might be through one of the societies or groups, the better. Yeah. And, you know, developing friendships, you know, people you know with, people you can do things with together, the better. And you may, you know, you may well have missed out on those experiences in the last few years because it has been not a good time for young people. <laughs> yeah. I was an international student in back in Cyprus. The program I was studying was a six years program. The f- I'm just going to say, like honestly, the first three year I was really wandering around in the island, having no idea in the campus about what's happening. And then, like the last two or three years that I was actually like involved in university clubs and like and stuff, the quality of life that I had increased so much. dramatically. Exactly. exactly. I was like, okay, that's what I was missing the last three years. That's of what I years. <laughs> we should stop telling people they're in courses. They're not. They're joining really interesting groups. Sometimes they're just not in the faculties. They're in yeah, the sporting okay. clubs, the cultural clubs, the social clubs, the you know, and the diversity of students. I mean, we are really lucky mm-hmm. to be a global university. Yeah. We have kids from all over the world. Yeah. You know, we have people with really different backgrounds. And that's pretty challenging for a lot of kids who've grown up in simpler backgrounds. With yeah. People who like them more or in narrower social or cultural mm-hmm. or, you know, um, different sorts of groups. Here we're a global university. You can meet people from all over the place with yep. really different experiences. And then doing stuff together then, then doing something, whether it's playing a sport or it's in, in a, one of our yeah. theatres or one of our social clubs or in one of our overseas student things. You know, it's the most fabulous opportunity. It's a great, especially for like, as international students, like as they move to another country, most probably like alone, having no family support anymore to have them back. If you come to like isol- isolated in the whole country. Yes. It's a cultural barrier. It's a language barrier. Thing. So I think like, for them, and they got kind of like hesitate to actually join the clubs. Cause so we have to go two ways. Yep. We've got to say to the overseas students, join the clubs. <laughs> we have to yeah. say to the Australian students, go find the overseas students. They're really interesting people. <laughs> 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 Fabulous backgrounds and differences. Yeah. To your own background. You know, making global connections with people. So there is a danger in such a large place that everyone sticks with the bit they already know. Yeah. There and there might be a language group or a country they come from or school worst the school they went to here in Sydney or something, you know. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Find other people. You know, as quickly as you can and be open to the world of ideas and and really experiences that that really brings. That's why, I mean, well, it's my own kids, take <laughs> off to overseas universities. I've seen enough of Sydney town that <laughs> why? For the global experience. We got kids who are coming here. Yeah. And you know, it's a fabulous opportunity. I, I am learning every day from kids. Yep. Young people who have completely different experiences of the world growing up in all sorts of parts of Asia, of Africa, of South America, you know, fabulously interesting things. And you can experience it right here. Please include those people sure. <laughs> in everything you do. <laughs> sure, great. Uh, let's just move on to the next question. Is So in your opinion, what challenges are specific to uni students that are having an impact on their mental health? Well, I think we covered that. I think there are two. Yeah. So COVID's yeah. been very disruptive, re-establishing campus life. But the one that's the biggest one is the transition from high school or wherever you were. So the first year or two, exactly what you said about your experience in Cyprus. We see this in the first set of exams, the first whatever. People go, oh, my God, what am I doing here? Yeah. And I'm alone. Yeah. Right? I don't know anybody. don't think I belong. <laughs> you know, it's got <laughs> imposter syndrome. I don't think I belong here. I don't know who belongs yeah. here, but I don't. You yeah. know, that sort of getting there and then, and then being very isolated and then being critical of yourself. It's not. It's actually very challenging. And, of course, it is more intellectually challenging than high school. Most of the kids here have done extremely well in high school and everywhere else. They're all very bright. And suddenly the academic levels are higher. So that's the second bit. But the first bit is really the social challenge. Yeah. If you can find it and everyone else goes, I don't understand what he said either. That being the lecturer, I don't know what we're doing, but we're enjoying ourselves here anyway. You know, then the being here becomes pleasurable, good for your mental health. But it's very challenging. So I think historically where we failed is with overseas students, with people yep. from very different backgrounds, people who may not have English as their first language. And we failed in the early, particularly first year and first two years of student life to make clear that it's about the socialisation. It's the pleasure of being here with, you know, in unique social groups. You won't ever get this chance again. Once you're finished, you'll be off, you know. Yeah. Having to work the real life. world. Yeah, the other world. <laughs> <laughs> this is the that's good bit. That's a whole new story. <laughs> that's a whole other story. That's a whole other... Yeah. When you leave here, that's a whole other transition, but don't worry about that. <laughs> I actually love the fact that, like, he emphasised a lot on socialisation because, like, so many of, like, students with different backgrounds, they were raised with the idea that your educational success is the one that defines you. Like, mm. it doesn't matter about 
how many friends do you have or how happy you are. It matter what grade are you getting. Yes. Or something like actually like define you. So like that's something like a really big difference in the culture mm. that in like different countries they have with the Sydney University. This is a huge issue for universities worldwide. What are the skills that mm. you're meant to acquire when you're here? Yeah. Is it just the certification? You know, did you get the degree mm-hmm. or the grade of that degree? Exactly. Did you succeed academically? Is that the point of being here? No. The other skills from an employment point of view, lifetime productivity point of view, contribution point of view, are a lot of those other skills. They are about social networks. They are about social skills. They are about empathy for others. They're about understanding of the world out there so that you can work in large teams with whatever technical skill you've got to solve big problems. So whether you care about employment, whether you care about social contribution, whether you care about whether your life's going to mean anything, it's a lot of that other stuff. Yeah. And this is a training ground for many of those other skills that you will need alongside whatever the technical skill or the academic skill that you acquire as a consequence of the formal education. So we need to be much clearer about that, that these are the graduate skills that are required Mm -hmm. for life. And this is the incubator for that. This is the chance to learn those skills in very ways. And that's what makes, if you want to say in a competitive way, that's what makes our students very competitive in the world because they can do that. If you want to say it in a more collaborative, impactful way, that's why our students will be very impactful in the rest of their lives because they've acquired those skills. And that's why it's really different to some of the just entirely online environments or entirely online learning Mm -hmm. or entirely remote type things. There's an opportunity here to learn in a different way that translates into skills that have high value, Mm -hmm. that go well beyond whatever's written on your degree the day you graduate here. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Do you have anything else? Yeah, like I think obviously the transition is a huge part of it. And I think in that transition, because, like, you're not in high school anymore, you know, you don't have a teacher constantly checking on on your progress. Mm -hmm. Like in university, you know, you have to have your own back. And within that transition, there also opens up this whole new level of career choices and, like, finding jobs. And that is sort of a huge part that adds a lot of stress um, to a student because not only do you have to juggle academic and, like, career life but at the same time at least just for personal from personal experience like it adds a level of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. across multiple students where you're not sure if the degree you're doing is the right degree and you don't know if you're going in the right path but then you can easily compare yourself to another student's progress yeah um even though they're doing something for their own like benefit and just because there isn't someone to check in on your progress, you constantly feel like you're behind or you feel like you're not the right person to be doing what you're doing. And I feel like that imposter syndrome is something that's become very common, yeah. especially with the pandemic over the last few years that a lot of people have been alone and they haven't had that sort of validation from mm-hmm. other people to let them know that how they're doing is okay and like they need to stay in their own lane. So... I think in university it becomes quite competitive, as what you were saying, that even though it's a huge, um, like you have 50,000 people or more like in a university and that level of competition and imposter syndrome just like increases like compared to high school. And so a lot of this is sort of navigating that kind of stress and at the same time trying to find joy in being a university student and like joining all these clubs and societies and trying to like find joy in that and not let that stress overtake or take the whole yeah exactly it's like yeah the imposter center was like really really for me first two weeks that i came especially because like i went to the class and i was kind of like i thought i'm sure about like my background like the whole thing and then i sat in the class i was like i think there was a i think there was a mistake with their admission pathway (laughs) (laughs) why i'm here oh no why did they let me in i was like actually check my document what's happening (laughs) So like, that's like that happened because I was like I was completely like blank in the class. I had like no idea what was happening. And then like after the class, like we started like talking with my yeah. like, friends, and they were like, "I didn't understand anything. Did you guys understand anything?" They were like, "No." And they're like like forty minutes. I was like, "Okay, so I'm good to go. Let's go." Yeah. That's like that was like a really big thing. And I have like a younger sister who just started her bachelor here. Yeah. She she was facing the same problem when she started. She was like, I feel like, you sure university was sure I can make it? I was like, I mean, if you get in, I'm pretty sure they were yes. 100% sure you can make it. Yeah. This is a really important point. You know, when that happens, part of that is our fault, <laughs> teaching-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, because the great majority of kids who come here are well and truly bright enough 
to cope with the academic issues. Yes. Because we were, there is this switch to self-learning. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the material, you sort it out. <laughs> so this is a change in the way that education, the education experience. Yes. And there's not a lot of easy checking. So the point you made about checking with each other, what's yes. actually going on, because it's quite a different way of learning to many high school and other environments. Yeah, exactly. Is, and you can feel you're not fit. The other thing is, of course, just part of just picking up, you might well change your mind as you go along, right? You may well yeah, think, exactly. oh, look, I wanted yeah. to do that, but I've been doing yeah. it for, you know. So one of the other things important about university is, and we try to these days make early degrees or first degrees more general. Flexible, yes. yeah. Don't get stuck in something that doesn't suit you. Yes. Right? I love you that. Know, you know, I have brothers and sisters, I think, who are still at university. They're still right yeah. now. Yeah. My own father returned to this university when he was 80 years old, having been a professor in this university to do something he'd always wanted to do. That's so Education is, you know, a whole lot of things across your whole life. Yeah. And there are different kinds of things. And you may well find, as you move through here, uh, my son who was here, you know, studied in science, but philosophy was much better. <laughs> something else, you know, everything. You come to see that there's a variety of different things. So actually taking some chances to find out about different things. So even though you're in one kind of stream, it may well be that your skills and whatever else require different combinations. Mm -hmm. The whole world that I'm tied up with through the Brain and Mind Centre is about multidisciplinary things. We need people with a lot of different sorts of skills. I wish I understood economics better. <laughs> I wish I understood a whole lot of social sciences better yeah. than I understand certain aspects of the medical aspects that I understand. And in fact, to deal with the areas I'm dealing with, I need more education in many of those, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. The best thing I ever did as a medical student was an arts course in drama. Nice. And a lot of public communication things, much more useful than yeah. some of the medical subjects I did were a complete waste of time. You know, but sometimes you need to experiment yeah. and find out. And, and, and the university's sort of systems now are much more flexible about that. And so take the opportunity to... Look at things, and you'll find different groups. You'll find different groups of people in different <laughs> places. Yeah, you know, in different ways, with different sets of skills and attitudes, and so you know, a big the advantage of a big comprehensive university like the University of Sydney is we've got stacks of that. Mm -hmm. Lots of really interesting bits. Yeah, in other places, available through different courses or different units or different elective type experiences. Go find out. Yeah, you may well find. Something you can't really know till you start. Yeah. Something you prefer and something where you fit in better relative to how you feel. And don't hurry. Spend time with us. You know, the worst <laughs> thing is people being in a hurry to get out the other end to get a degree. Yeah. yeah. And then that's it. I'm out of university. No, that's actually... As I say, I'm still waiting to come back. I want to come back again. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be my dad. I want to do something when I'm 80. Yeah. But I never did before. You know, because the learning is kind of continuous and then the opportunities are here. So one of the... I think important developments we've had in recent years in universities is away from a simple kind of undergraduate, graduate kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and of course, of course, there is financial pressure and there are other reasons why people can't just waste time Yeah, here. it's not like a perfect yeah. word, to be honest. Yeah, no, yeah. so there are, there are issues that need to seriously be addressed. But, but, you know, you may well need to make a few changes as you go along to get the most out of the place. Yeah. And I mean mm. that in a mental health and a cognitive sense, but also from the experience than just getting stuck. And I, I think this is the problem of being isolated. You think, oh, I'm in this degree and I'm just got to do yeah. the next assessment. I've just got to do the next yeah. task. And, you know, in three years or four years, mm -hmm. I'll be gone. Please, please spend more time with us. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very true what you were saying about the university structure because especially with how it's changed over the last few years, like with my degree, I've been like fortunate to be able to do two majors in very different streams. Mm -hmm. So one of my majors is neuroscience and my other one is cultural studies. Yeah. And so it's very science and social sciences yeah. sort of. But it's a really good way to for me to like actually enjoy my degree where I get to learn a few different things and like know a little bit of everything. And even just the elective structure. Yeah. Like just like a recommendation. Just like do any of the wildest electives out there. And like it just really enhances your university experience and you get to meet people from different backgrounds Background, yeah. you know that aren't just in the same sort of pool yeah and it doesn't it allows you to sort of learn like different perspectives and not really compare yourself to people who are just in the same pool, same pool it can yeah. sort of cause competition so then when you meet people in other backgrounds and like fields it really Makes adds more connection. You know it makes it more collaborative. You the staff. Yeah, exactly. Across from neuroscience. Yeah. Like, uh, the biggest project, one of the second biggest projects I'm currently involved in, 
involves the development of young children. And it's using technology in places like Afghanistan and Namibia and Ethiopia. And there's a really fundamental intersection between neuroscience and local culture. Mm. If you don't understand either, you're in big trouble. (laughs) But not many people actually, because we have deep expertise in one or the other, having students cross over those areas actually brings partly the knowledge and thinking, Mm -hmm. whatever you think of neuroscience over into culture, those who are in culture, taking it cross back over to the neuroscience areas. In fact, you can't understand brain function without understanding the context Mm. in which it's occurring Mm -hmm. in a particular way. So it's a really challenging area. So, you know, that kind of thing is, I would say, spot on as to what is required to actually have an impact in the wider world. But we have tended to have in the past very narrow sets of things and only encourage people to do electives or things that were very close yes. conceptually. Go yeah. do something really different, <laughs> particularly something you enjoy. I'm very, I'm one of my younger kids at the moment at another great university in Australia, you know, yeah. she's doing a particular science thing, but she's doing Spanish and other things and cultural things and language so things. Yeah, so because nice. it's a little, you know, some people in that university don't think that's a great idea. You know, you should do the ones <laughs> that... And I'm going, no opinions, way, it's yeah. great, you know, because... It's much more enjoyable, firstly. Yeah. Let's just say the people who speak Spanish on the whole are much more interesting people. <laughs> you know, a different Latin approach to life and they're yeah. different to the other science people she hangs out with. And you know, yeah. But that's the kind of thing that I think universities have moved towards. And at the University of Sydney here, we have a huge variety of opportunity. We're not yeah. always so great at explaining it, but we have changed our degree structures yep. to yep. strongly allow that possibility. Yep. So please, please take take the opportunity. Because it's very good for your mental health and wellbeing. <laughs> yeah, it definitely I, I, is. I can speak from experience. Speak like <laughs> <laughs> I guess like since you're speaking about experience, I did my undergrad in, in the pharmacy school. Right. And then I started like working in the university sports center as a fitness trainer. And then oh. after a while I realized that actually in the sports center I'm way happier and I feel like mm. more relaxed than the, the pharmacy whole, whole thing. And then I was like, okay, so Back then, I didn't have actual option to, okay, let's just change the whole thing. So I was like, let's pick something in between. And then I was like, okay, I want to work as a sport pharmacist. That was actually gave me like... Drugs and sport, excellent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that actually gave me like a better mental health that I wasn't feeling like stuck anymore yep. because like, I wasn't feeling like, okay, that's the thing I have to deal till the end of my life. And I'm not really bright at so many stuff of it. And I sometimes I feel like it's suffocating that I'm not good enough for anything. So yeah. actually like... The whole thing that we're talking, exploring around can always give you new options and new, like, choices to make. And, like, to relax the pressure that is always on you about, like, if you're stuck in the same discipline to going away. Yes. The disciplines are a really old world idea. (laughs) (laughs) Keep some of us employed, so that's good. But, you know, (laughs) the future demands much, much more people who can move across those disciplines. And that requires experiences Mm -hmm. and you know, two excellent examples of pharmacy has a particular culture and a particular uh, physical activity and sports medicine is a completely, completely different, different, completely yeah. different yeah. set of things, the cultural studies kind mm. of things. And, and they are fabulous. I mean, that's, that is the real advantage of, of being a student at a comprehensive university. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. you're, if you're a student at a university that's primarily medical, primarily technical and engineering, yeah. or primarily arts and social sciences, you don't get that opportunity, you know. They yep. tend to be good within particular areas. Here, mm-hmm. th- that is what a comprehensive university has to offer. Yep. And, and people from very diverse backgrounds to share it with as you go. Find the right people you like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they may be in the gym. Is that what the point? Yeah, they're in the gym. <laughs> they're not necessarily in the school. They're kind of easy in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go for the last question. How would you recommend for a student who is struggling with their mental health to take those critical first steps in seeking help? So this is a tricky question because yeah. the first is a kind of recognition thing. So the first thing I say is that we always seem to say, you know, you'll have to recognise it first. Now, the thing about Are You OK Day is actually the idea that somebody else might recognise and say, mm-hmm. Are You OK? I actually prefer the Are We OK? Yeah. Actually, to That's Are You OK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about this. <laughs> if you're part of a collective social group, the first thing to say is, Are We OK? So if you're part of a group of students is not OK, you might nice. all, or part of a family that's not OK, yeah. the individual might not be OK either. So I think the first level is kind of our we okay. Now, within the, the we groups we are in, we may well recognise amongst each other mm-hmm. that somebody is not okay. Yeah. They're not there. They've dropped out. Yeah. They're not really, you know, they're, yeah. struggling. they're not coming out with us anymore. They're not, they seem to be struggling or whatever else. Yeah. So one of the first things I'd say is that the, the trip into effective mental health care is often precipitated not by the person in trouble. I said this as a male, okay. Men almost never go to help on their own. Yeah. Usually it's their mother, wife, girlfriend, daughter, somebody else who says, <laughs> you're not okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then the most important thing is not to say you go 
Yeah. Because that always, almost results in, I'm fine, leave me alone. <laughs> and yeah. Actually, I'll go with you. And now the go with you course these days often starts online, get information. We'll find yeah. out what we need to do to accompany in a yeah. way, along the way. So I think the issue is good information. Now, in the healthcare system and the mental health system is chaotic at a good, on a good day. The more information you have as you set out together on that role, the better care you'll get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So like many other areas of health but also just human services, if you've got a better idea what the problem is, the chance that you connect with a service that actually meets your needs is much higher. Yeah. Now, we've seen a lot of progress in Australia with things like Headspace, with online services. Mm-hmm. There are online things you can do. This Way Up, MindSpot, there are services you can get, interventions you can get. The more you learn, the more you know, yeah. the more you find out whether simple things work easily. Maybe yeah. they're just simple things. Maybe it's more complicated. Yeah. So I think there are two aspects. is good information, starting off in the journey online, going to appropriate services. But I would seriously say, don't go alone. And, you know, if you can get people to go with you, or more importantly, and I'd say this in the are we okay kind of sense, if you know someone close to you that you care about is not okay, go with them. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than, there's a very famous set of English studies done, English are like this. Yes, you're clearly unwell, you should get help. Yeah. The end result was that those people got less help. (laughs) They felt Mm. more, it's very interesting, and they felt more excluded, they put more aside, you know, and actually didn't go and get help, as if the responsibility to get help. Just imagine when you're feeling terrible, trying to sort out our crazy mental health system and get help yourself Mm. is really hard. And it's it's difficult to then go and disclose. Most young people don't have a family doctor, they don't have a service, they've probably never gone there before, they maybe go to a service that really doesn't have the time or the care or... Or it's like financial issue to actually... There's a big... Yes, I'm just arguing with my medical colleagues at the moment and many of my other (laughs) colleagues. The financial barrier, the financial barrier for overseas students, the unfamiliarity. So find someone who knows to go Mm -hmm. with you or if you are someone who cares about someone else, go with them. I'm very, very impressed with one of my own kids, one of my own children doing this last week. I thought it must have finally taught them something. Accompanied someone they cared about to care. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was really important. This could often take 40 years. You know, that thing you said, Dad, probably was true. <laughs> but mostly important, it was true to the kid who was in trouble, you yeah. know, to actually accompany people. And then there can be, and maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a brother or sister, maybe, but just in our student life. Yeah particularly for overseas students, particularly for those who are unfamiliar. I mean, our health system's nuts. I mean, you can make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And it's got all sorts of barriers. So if you can understand, get information online, have a good idea what the set of problems are, and then go together so yeah. that we can be okay. I didn't even think about, like, are we okay? Like, that's a very yeah, good... Okay, it's a it? very good, yeah, like... Yeah, the the way you put it, yeah. <laughs> well, just to say, I must say, ask Jackie Troy, the Aboriginal people of this country would never say, are you okay? Yeah. They would always say, are we okay? Is the mob communi- okay? Yep. Is the community okay? Yeah. It's wow. a very individual psychological Western notion. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a good one because it's kind of, it's a reaching out. Yeah. It's not relying on the person in trouble to go, oh, I'm not okay. I better work out what to do now. Yeah. You don't say to people broken the leg in the street, oh, now look, um, get yourself up there and um, hop along see and see a doctor. You know? yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> get yourself to the hospital. You'll be all right, won't you? <laughs> you know, so people do reach in and lean in in other situations. And, and you know, Australia does have a good, or had or has, probably still has, a volunteering of helping, mm-hmm. but just feeling free to do that. In the mental health area, people have been reluctant to do that. Oh, don't want to intrude. or oh, don't want to make a fuss. Yeah. Yeah. Make a fuss. Sure. Get involved. You know, yeah. in the same way that if I was in trouble, I hope you would actually help me. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than not. So, you know, the... The we aspect, it's a mutually supportive thing. We all, mm-hmm. trust me, <laughs> I'm old enough, we all have bad periods of our life. You know, yeah. there are mm-hmm. times when we desperately need others to assist us. Yeah. The reciprocal kind of idea is, of course, I would help out my own family, those people I care about, those people I'm close to. Yeah. But for young people in particular, you know, having friends, people you're close to, social groups you're part of, you know, friendship groups really mm-hmm. that lean in. Yeah and help, and then go out with you and navigate something called the health system, as if there is such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about your own experiences, but, you know, this is where the peer work thing is Mm. so important. Like what we as BitU, we always advocate for just student to student support. And, you know, just like students reaching out to other students and like instead of doing it by yourself, of course, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about. But I think just that mutual support is very important that if you find any kind of friend that you really trust and just sort of open up some sort of conversation with them. And it just it can go a long way. And, like, it's just so much better than internalising 
anything about to yourself. And it's just the more you have support services around you with students, it just brings up the whole like atmosphere. Yeah. And like it just becomes a movement almost. And something that I was thinking about in terms of how do we can make sure that mental health is always like at the forefront in university is sort of like um like a multi systems kind of mm-hmm. approach that can work like bottom up, like bottom up or top down. Like mm-hmm. you know, we can work with students bringing like mental health to light within classrooms and within their relationships with their tutors in specific classes, and talk about mental health and bring that up as a topic, and it will just increase awareness about it and can move upwards where relationship between students and tutors can move up to unit coordinators who are yeah. controlling units, and they can put you know, mental health and well-being at the forefront of their classes Mm -hmm. and create more, like, academically, like, mentally healthy academic environments. And I think that's what, with Bitch Here, we host these events and that just sort of bring mental health to the spotlight, but it just allows students to take some time out of their busy academic um, schedules and just sort of reflect on their mental health and just be like, oh, maybe I could check in on one of my friends or, like, you know... And like increase that sort of social companionship, mm-hmm. um, but I do think agree that that sort of um, community is very important when it comes to reaching out for help. Yeah. Um, and just also another note is that with Bichir, it's the very recent thing, but they just released an app a few months ago. Great. It's called Our Herd, like herd, like as in the elephant. Yeah. And it's an app that's um, specifically focused around like help seeking mm-hmm. and it's kind of like tiktok um like it has a tiktok interface but it's just specifically towards like stories about people who have had their own struggles with mental health mm-hmm. and how they have gone about seeking help yeah and it's just really nice because you can go straight to the app and listen to other people's stories or read their stories and it's a good way for if someone out there um is trying to look into looking for help mm-hmm. it's a good way to sort of get some inspiration from yeah. other people and again it's like a very young people driven sort of app mm-hmm. and i feel like that's sort of what reduces the stigma when you have more young people around you talking about it so then you don't feel like you're alone or like embarrassed yeah. or discouraged about talking about it that's awesome thanks a mm-hmm. lot all right we are close to the end anything else you might want to add well, I think this, the issue just about it, stories is yeah. really important. So, again, beyond the RUOK, is often it's talk, important to talk about times in our life when we haven't been okay ourselves. Yep. Yeah. To make it a normal part of conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, things like reach out in Australia have often used to time. All young people have tough times. <laughs> I would say all people my age have had tough times. You know, like yeah. and sharing. So sharing personal experiences. Then the second bit, the research is alluding to. What we don't hear enough of is sharing experiences of good mental health care. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of stories of bad mental health care and they're true. But there's a lot of not a lot of stories told of really good mental health care and what yeah. a difference it's made in people's mm-hmm. lives. I mean, I've been lucky, spent a lot of time with people. Um Jeff Gallup, the previous Premier of Western Australia, who's a professor here at this university, talks about his own experiences of depression, getting effective treatment, returning to being one extremely productive kind of person. You know, other odd people, but a lot of young people have never heard benefit that's been derived from yeah. good care. They've only heard what's gone wrong. So one of the things about the Batir thing that was just being discussed and elsewhere is actually good care makes a huge difference. Sometimes, just like good teachers, you have to shop around a bit yep. to get good care. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay? Yeah. It's not so obvious where it is. So if it doesn't happen to work the first time or it's really hard, please don't quit. You know, you need yeah. to find somewhere there are good care, there are good entries to care, uh, and good care makes a huge difference to people's lives. Yeah. It just is the case that we haven't built a mental health system. Mm-hmm. If you walk down through the University of Sydney, you'll see a huge Prince Alfred Hospital, you'll see mm-hmm. huge yeah, other yeah. medical research institutes, you'll see all sorts of things. We just haven't built systems quite as big as that yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's a historic and cultural issue. We are on that journey right at the moment. There is good care. Ask your friends. Ask people who found out. Ask Batir. Ask people where the good psychologists are. Where are the good doctors? Where are the good psychiatrists? Where are the good clinics? Where does it work? How to get there? Because just like everything else, sharing that information about good healthcare is really important. Yeah. And just even adding on to that with stories, just like sharing stories about mental health journeys is also quite important. Like just like the other week, I was having a conversation like at dinner, like over dinner with my dad and my brother, yeah. my younger brother. And my dad actually surprisingly brought up 
his story about how what you mentioned earlier that men in general relatively struggle to reach out Mm -hmm. for help and it was really good to have my younger brother involved in that conversation because he's 16 and is probably not very well spoken about like mental health in school and it was really nice to have him in the conversation because now he knows that oh you know as a young boy he knows that you know sort of hearing stories from people around him can sort of help him not feel very discouraged and like Mm -hmm. embarrassed to talk about mental health I feel like it's just all about sharing good stories or even if there's bad stories just sort of bringing up support around that and like bringing light to what we can do better and just sort of making that a very active conversation instead of something that needs to come up like at the end when you see someone struggling that shouldn't be when the conversation should happen it should sort of be a more active thing checking on your friends all the time and yeah great awesome (laughs) thank you so much so we are to the end i would like to just like finish the podcast with the important (laughs) question we were having that are we okay yeah we're all on a journey you know actually it is i like what you said earlier on it is actually a tough time and it's been a very tough few years for young people so one level people like myself oh university's back great i've had a good job you know fine (laughs) that kind of skips over it has been really challenging getting back to university life as shared life as collegiate life and back together on the campus in our things it's really important so it's a really important time to have that conversation and to have a real high level of awareness about are we actually all okay yeah. Yeah. in the groups we're operating and, and really work on then making it better. That's it for PRPAD this week. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from PRPAD, you can follow our team on Instagram at sydney underscore library underscore PLA or subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If today's episode has sparked anything for you, we would love to hear about it. Drop us a line at peerpod.pla at See you next time.